Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's the two megastars summer mashup the awesome iPhone on the Rockstar Metro PCS Network. Get the iPhone you've always wanted for $0, so you can jam without limits. It's a hit. Get an iPhone SE on us when you switch. Metro PCS. Coverage not available in some areas, plus sales tax and $10 activation fee. Requires port in of number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or on Metro PCS in past 90 days to an unlimited LTE plan. See store for details and terms and conditions.
All right, welcome back to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. And you know what? In about three weeks, Cloverhoof are going to be cracking the whip here in the USA. They're heading over for a North American tour around the second week of September. I was really hoping to catch them live, but unfortunately, there are no shows actually in the New York City area. Upstate New York is the closest thing, and it's just way too far of a drive on a weeknight. Maybe they'll add a few more dates, who knows, but they are going all over the country. So if they're in your area, check them out, a great band. First time here in the USA, it's going to be amazing if you can catch them live. Hey, we got a great show for everybody tonight. The Queen of Metal, Doro, is back. Doro's been on the show so many times in the past, it's always fun talking with her. Aaron Hart from Love Stallion, and Jonathan Jordan from To Whom It May. So stick around, we got a great show tonight. It's nice being back after being off last week, but... It was my daughter's wedding, and we had a fantastic time. It was a great night. And unfortunately, the party is only going to last tonight because I'm on vacation this week. So there won't be any show next week. But we'll be back in September with a great bunch of shows and an incredible lineup of guests to celebrate our 10 years on air. All right, let's keep the music flowing here. How about Laz Rocket, Mad Axe Attack? Thank you. 
Oz with Searchlights. We started off that set with Laz Rock and Met Axe Attack. John wanted to hear that. There you go, Johnny. That's for you. And Excalibur, Devil in Disguise in between that all. We're going to get to the Doro interview in about 10 minutes or so. Uh, we got some new music to play tonight. We'll get to that in a few minutes. And some brand new Voivod. I believe we have brand new Primal Fear loaded up. Yes, I think we do. Uh, we're going to save the Michael Romeo stuff for next week. He's got a solo record out. Because, oh, actually, the week after that. We're off next week on vacation. But Mike is on the show uh, the week after that. So we'll play then. We have brand new Tokyo Blade. We'll get that on in a little bit. How about, uh, you know, yesterday, I think it was this whole weekend, actually, New York Death Metal Festival in upstate New York. Uh, I want to say it's Poughkeepsie. I really don't know the exact town that they had it in. It was at the Hudson Valley Civic Center, Mid-Civic Center. It was, it was a lot of bands on the bill, even though when I bounced around, a lot of the bands that were advertised on the bill actually didn't play that night. Now, I don't know if they were canceled and not, people were notified ahead of time. Or it just happened. Half the bill was like cover bands. There were a couple of local hardcore bands. Murphy's Law was supposed to play. I, I didn't say anything about them on the bill. Maybe, you know, they canceled or it backed out before the show started. Uh, I think Leeway might have been on the bill. I'm not even sure if they played or not. Uh, they had Attack, our good friends at Attack on the bill. Blood Feast, Whiplash, and a few other bands. But when I looked at the pictures of the show, Toxic were also on the bill with their new singer, who sounded great in a couple of video clips that I heard of them. So I'm looking forward to hearing uh, new music by those guys. But the crowd just looked really paltry. I mean, I saw a clip of, a video clip of Blood Feast when they were on stage, and there was maybe 30 people I saw maybe in the front of it. That place holds like 3,000 people. That's a really big place. I don't know if they were expecting to fill it up or, or even make a dent in it, but it looked like there were maybe 30 people in the audience when Blood Feast were on the stage. And even when Possessed played, I don't think I counted more than 50 or 60 people up front. I, I could be wrong. Maybe there was a lot more hiding out in the back that I didn't see, but you would think with the amount of bands that were on the bill, there would have been at least 100 band members alone that should have been out there you know, in the front of the stage when other bands were playing. It looked really empty. I mean, I don't know. A lot of these festivals just don't, don't seem to be taken here in New York, or a lot of people just aren't going. I don't know if it was a price point or where it was located. I know the venue was changed from a place further upstate. To, you know, Hudson Valley, Poughkeepsie is not really that far from New York City. You can get there within maybe 90 minutes uh, if, you, if you have to. It's not really that far out, but... I just don't know. I mean, you know, I feel bad for a lot of these promoters because they put a lot of work into putting these festivals on there. Most of them, if they're lucky, if they're lucky, they'll break even. Most of them wind up losing a ton of money on there. You know, they do it for love, not to get rich, which is, you know, not going to happen. So I kind of feel bad for them, but people just aren't showing up to these festivals. I don't know if it's because most of these festivals have the same bands on them over and over again. Attack Room, my boys, I love them. They're in a lot of festivals. Same thing with Blood Feast. I mean, these bands are constantly playing these shows. Whiplash. I mean, people like, you know, I, I just saw them at a festival a week ago or a show a week ago. So I don't know if that's one of the reasons that people aren't coming out. There were a lot of cover bands on the bill. I mean, a lot. More than half of the bands were cover bands. I, you know, I don't want to go to a festival and see a lot of cover bands either. You know, so I, I don't know what happened or why it was. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there were more people that just didn't notice it in the video clips or the pictures I've seen, people that were there would know, and if they do know and want to call and let us know how the show went, you know, please do. But I feel bad for these promoters. They put so much work into these things, and it just kind of bombs out on them time and time again. I don't know. I mean, I talked about this many times before, how a lot of festivals just keep recirculating the same bands. You know, maybe it's one thing when there's a festival in Greece and then one in Germany, one here in the U.S. You're not going to get a lot of the same people going to these shows in three different countries or three different parts of the world. Uh, but here it just seems like it's a lot of the same shit and it just seems to be happening more and more often. There's only so many bands left that these promoters and these organizers can reunite from the 80s, whether it's one original member or, you know, the actual whole lineup, which is kind of rare anyway. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I mean, Keep It True does well every year. 
Vakken does well, and a lot of those German festivals really do well. Uh, these ones in South America do pretty well, too. Uh, even the ones in Japan, but just here in the U.S., they're just not catching on. I don't know why. I should say that about all of them. Some of them have pretty decent crowds for the places they play. Just this one, in my opinion, it looked like it didn't. But I could be wrong, and I hope I am. All right, let's get back to the music. How about some brand new Voivod? They got a record coming out called The Wake. I believe we're going to have them on the show in September. We're just confirming all the guests uh, for, for the month of September. I'll let everybody know when I get back from vacation next week who's on and when they are. But here's brand new Voivod of the Dormancy.
Damn, I don't even know what to say about that. <laughs> Way to go with this new Voivod record. I mean, a lot of stuff is being said in the chat, and I have to agree with it all. I mean, this stuff is out there. I mean, this does not sound like the band who put out those great records, you know, back in the 80s. I mean, I don't know if they could resurrect Piggy from the Dead, and if that would help out any, but it's just way too out there for me. Uh, I know we're going to have the band on the show next month. Uh, I'm not really sure who's going to be doing the interviews. Uh, I don't even know. <laughs> Usually it's away, the drummer. Uh, he does most of the interviews for the band right now. Uh, you know, you got Snake on vocal who's been with the band since like 83, pretty much throughout his career. Uh, he was gone for a while in the mid-90s to like around 2002 again. You know, Chewie's been with the band a couple years, and the drummer Rocky, maybe Two years has been with the group, so it's mostly Away and Snake that are the original members of the, of the band. And this just does not sound like Voivod. This does not sound like anything off of War and Pain or, or Raw, or even Killing Technology. I mean, progressive is one thing, but this is like psychedelic shit that's way out there and just not interesting. I got to be honest with you. I don't know how I'm gonna put a good spin on that when we interview the band. I, I try never to say anything bad about a band when they're on the show, even, though if I, even if I don't like the records, I still try to be polite because they are guests, and you like, it's just like having a guest in your home. You don't treat them like shit, you know? Unless it's like, you know, a family member you don't like. But you try to be polite to them. I don't know how I'm going to put a spin on this <laughs> being anywhere near a good record. All right, I don't know. How about we do some Sanctuary? World Dang, great singer, love the guy, had him on the show. It was a fun interview. He's no longer with us. But he does appear on the Dora record, the brand new Dora record. Parts were obviously recorded before he passed away. So we'll play something by Sanctuary. We're going to some brand new Dora. And then we'll go right to an interview with her. We have Aaron Hart from uh, Love Stein calling in live in about 45 minutes. And we have Jordan from To Whom It May Concern right after that. So here you go, Sanctuary, Battle Angels.
Hello. Doro, this is Mike. How are you? Hey, Mike. Hey, great, great. Nice to talk to you. Hey. You too. Yeah. I, I I have to tell you, I, I'm excited. Even though I I've I've been upset there hasn't been new music in a long time. Boy, you made up for it. Twenty five new tracks on a double album. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The last DVD, Strong and Proud, that took took two and a half years to make. I don't know if you've seen it or if you've heard it. Yeah. It three CDs, and I was like, yeah, long production, and then nonstop touring, nonstop festivals, and yeah, and this new album took about two and a half years too. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but what a great job. I mean, when I go through the album, I mean, Forever Warriors, Forever United, it, to me, it kind of defines your entire career. The last 35 years is a little bit of everything that you've given us, from the real hard rock stuff to the to the ballads to the anthems. This everything on this record. Oh, oh that's, that's nice to hear. Yeah, we had so much fun doing this record, and and creatively, I felt like, man, ideas were just like... Yeah, like like popping out left and right. It was really it was it was such a joy and yeah, which is not always the case. Sometimes you do a record and then you know like you don't have as many ideas and you think oh you know it's more difficult. But this time it was great and we had a great co-producer. It was this little dog. It was this little French bulldog, like a little puppy. And oh man, it was yeah. keeping us alive. Even when we were mixing late at night, like five, six o'clock in the morning, we go, oh, we're so tired, let's finish the mix tomorrow. And then the little dog was running around full of life. We thought, <laughs> oh, if he can do it, let's do it. So, so it was like, yeah, an unexpected co-producer, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. You know, you know, some bands will have trouble putting out a record with maybe 10 good songs on there. You did 25. I mean, there's two great covers on there, which I feel you kind of made your own, the White Snake and the Motorhead song. Uh, to me, they're like Doro songs now. But to come up with that many original tunes, I mean, is it difficult? You know, like I said, everything came together kind of, you know, easy writing this time. But being on tour all the time, is it easy to write while you're touring or do you prefer to be alone when you're writing or is it easy to do it on the road? On the road, I only concentrate on the shows and, you know, and getting the fans, like, you know, like, like making them happy. But when we were in the studio, actually, it really started with, like, a very sad thing. It was when, when Lenny left us, and then I went to his funeral. I was totally, totally heartbroken. And on the plane, actually, I got this idea to write a song for Lenny, and that's living life to the fullest. Yeah, and then I wanted to record it right away because I thought, it, you know, I don't want to waste any time. So I went into the studio, and, yeah, and then suddenly everything was like, you know, I felt now is the time to do another record. You don't know, you know, what will happen if you're still alive in a year or in a week. So I felt like this kind of urgency. And actually the song for Lemmy, that was actually, yeah, what, what, yeah, what made it all start. And, and, and then I thought... So many friends of mine, they are not anymore with us. So I said, man, I have to do extra good, and I want to, you know, write as many great songs as I can. And, yeah, and then it was kind of a wake-up call. So so that's the reason why it all came out, like, so, yeah, so intense. And, yeah, and, and yeah, and which, you know, Lemmy and Ronnie James Dio, they were my best friends and not having them anymore, not talking anymore to them or watching them live or, you know, like that's, ah, it's, you know, it's not the same anymore. So I thought, yeah, you know, I want to, 
want to do something what, you know, what people can maybe listen to when I'm, you know, not here anymore, which I hope we can do it for, for many, many more years. But, yeah, it, it made me think. And I always was so naive to think everything always stays the same, stays forever great and good. And it was like, um, yeah, it was, it was what got me really, what, what, what yeah, it started, you know, with, with that and, yeah, and then I want to do yeah. extra, extra good, you know, take care of all the songs and, and, and put, like, these two cover versions on. This one is a Motorhead classic, um, Lost in the Ozone, and Lemmy could write so much lyrics. I couldn't believe it. And so I wanted to, you know, to sing that song so bad. And and the Whitesnake cover, it was my first concert I've ever seen. It was in 1980, and I saw David cover there in this legendary lineup, and wow, it was mind-blowing. So I thought, yeah, I want to, you know, I want to put these two songs on because, you know, like, like yeah, yeah, I love them so much. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like kind of like what you just said about people not being here with us anymore. I mean, I guess we're all kind of getting to that age right now where we're starting to get into the second half of our lives and we're losing people. Is that something that you yeah. think about more and more a- as we get older and, and saying, you know, I want to do what I can now while I can? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. When I was 17, when I had my, whatever, my first band, I was never thinking of that. And, and, and now, yeah. Especially, yeah, on this album, um, there's this one song, All for Metal, which was the first video and the first single. Another friend of mine, he's not anymore alive, uh, a game. And we had a cool friendship going. He was one of, like, you know, the, the greatest guys, such a great friend. And we toured America in 1988 together with Megadeth and Sanctuary. And, you know, and I saw him last year in Wacken. And, you know, and I played in the little demo of All for Metal. I said, hey, well, you know, you want to sing on it and do a little video sequence? He said, yes, yes. And we were talking, and I said, what are you doing? He said, yeah, working on your songs. I said, yeah, same here. And then when I, you know, a couple of months later, when I got the news that he's not anymore with us, and I thought, oh, my God. So, yeah, I must say, yeah, all these great people, all our heroes, all our best friends, you know, when they go, yeah, it's, um, yeah, they, yeah, they, they can't yeah. be replaced, you know, no matter what, so, yeah. I know. Well, one thing is, you've always had great people, and sometimes unexpected people come in to guest on your live shows, on your records, and the new one is no different, and one of the things I love is, I'm such a big Tommy Boland fan of his guitar playing, and I loved it when... Oh. He kind of hooked up with you guys again for the Triumph and Agony tour, but he also plays on this record. Is Tommy sort of working his way back into the band, or is it just part time? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, we, we did not so many summer festivals here, and I will bring him uh, to uh, to play when we play pro- uh, Prague Rock. It's the sixth of September in Atlanta, and I'm so happy. You know, he's coming with us, and probably Chris Caffrey. So it will be a lot of guitar shredding. And yeah, we did a couple of songs on this new album. And we were always friends. And then a couple of years ago, I called him and said, Hey, our favorite album, Triumph and Agony, is almost 30 years old. Let's celebrate. And then we did a couple of shows in like Sweden. It was like, you know, Sweden rock, like the biggest festival, like 60,000 people. That was the first time that we played together again. And then a couple of other festivals. And we had so much fun. And one night, it was in Norway. We just played this festival in Norway Rock, and we were jamming a little bit. 
And then we came up with this idea, if I can't have you, no one will. And I thought, wow, this sounds great. And then I sent it to Johann Heck of Amona Mars, who is a great friend of ours as well. You know, and I said, hey, Johan, you want to, you know, sing, you know, this, this song, this duet, and write the lyrics for the verses? And, yeah, and Johan said, oh, yes, I would love to. So so we just performed it live, actually, a couple of days ago in Wacken, and Johan hopped on stage, and Tommy was, you know, like, you know, like, like his style of playing is always like high energy crazy and we had so much fun if people are interested you can watch it on youtube and there's uh, yeah it's the whole button show it's online but if i can't have you no one will it's, oh, it's especially like oh i think came on great and yeah and tommy you know he's a good guy and yeah, he's such a powerhouse i appreciate it big time <laughs> Yeah, I, I was watching some of the video clips that people filmed from the Vakken this year, and what an amazing festival to see that many people come together for a show and still go yeah. crazy. It makes me believe that, in a way, I'm still back in the early 80s sometimes. Absolutely, absolutely. From all over the world, many, many fans from America and from South America, Russia, Europe. It's it's great, it's great. And we played this little gig in a church. It was the Vakken Church. At first, I thought, mm, I don't know if that's cool, but then we did it, and oh god, the atmosphere was so amazing! It was so great, and we played a couple of new songs of the new album, which nobody had ever heard before. And then we played, and people were immediately singing along, and you know, and you know, cheering us on. It was so great. It was such a good atmosphere, like wild, like it was. Yeah, and then two nights later, we played the big show, and uh, with many guests and. Um, my old, uh, you know, heroes, uh, I grew up in the glam rock times, and Andy Scott and Pete Lincoln of Sweet, they came, you know, on stage, and we played Ballroom Blitz, and then Johan Heck of Amona Mars, he was a guest, we played, yeah, if I can't have you, no one will, and the Amona Mars song, um, A Dream That Cannot Be, it was a duet on their last album, we did it together, and that's how we started to become friends, yeah, and then many, many other people, and yeah, and, I, I love being joined by, you know, by, by good spirits, you know, good people, good musicians, and, yeah, it was, was awesome. And now we want to bring it to America, of course, so it's, you know, the, the, yeah, the biggest mission yeah. now, yeah. <laughs> Well, now that the new album is out for people, a beautiful tour record set, do you plan on going? I mean, you're always on tour, but do you plan on taking the the band out immediately for a new tour? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, we start in November here, a little bit Europe, and then March we we start somewhere else. And I would like to go January, February to the States. and yeah. But now the first festival is actually in Atlanta, and, 6th of September, and I'm so glad, you know, that because I, I love playing festivals. It's, yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite things to do. I love the club gigs because we can always play like two, two and a half hours in festivals. That's usually not possible, but playing a great festival, oh, it's like, yeah, it's, it's awesome. So I'm, I'm totally psyched. And we are filling in for the band Dream Evil. So that's, um, we just got the phone call two weeks ago. And I thought, oh, how cool, you know. And I mean, I, you know, I feel for the dream evil guys, you know, that they can't make it. I know there was some, you know, some, yeah, some issues with like, I, I don't know, something, something. So, so we are filling in, and I'm very, very happy about it. And yeah. Uh, 
I'm glad. Hey, Odora, I'm not going to keep you. I know you're busy all day doing these interviews, but you did such an amazing job on this new record, and I can't wait for you to come back to New York. You're sort of home away from home, and to see you guys yeah. live again when you get back here. Oh, yeah. You know, New York, my favorite city in the world, and, you know, I'm dying to play there. I heard B.B. King's is no more. I heard that. No more. Oh, man, yeah, we have to keep fighting for, you know, like all these great things. And that's actually what the title is all about, or the whole record all about, Forever Warriors, Forever United. We have to fight the good fight, and, yeah, and, yeah, it's, it's tough. But, Absolutely. Yeah, but I'm sure we pl- find another great place, and I can't wait to play live, and I hope all the, all the fans love the new songs, and I'm very excited to play them live, and, yeah. <laughs> I know they will. I know they will. Doro, the best of luck with the new record. And you take care. It was great talking to you again. Great talking Bye-bye. to you. All the best to you. All the best to everybody. All you know, stay metal. Keep on rocking. And I see you soon. Thank you.
have to love Doro. I wish we had more time to talk this time around, but Doro's been on the show a lot, and we'll have her on the show again. Every time she does anything metal-related, she's out there doing interviews. Always a good person to talk to. Her new record, double album, Forever Warriors, Forever United. We played something before off of Forever United. Now we'll do something off of Forever Warriors. Then we have Aaron Hart of Love Stein calling in in about 15 minutes. And Jonathan Jordan of To Whom It May. But let's get to the... Let's, well, you know what? We'll say some of that door for a little bit later. That was all for Metal Off for that. I'm getting completely confused here today. A lot of guests on tonight's show trying to keep track of everything for everybody. All right, here. We'll keep the music going. How about Rage, Raw Energy?
Judas Priest, it's Judas Priest, Classic Priest, Exciter. The band's getting ready to go back out on the road in a very short time. Deep Purple is going out with them. It should be a great show, great tour. Uh, they'll be at the PNC Bank Art Center in New Jersey, I believe September 6th. I'm going to try to make it there that night. It's rough because I get back from vacation a couple of days before then and don't really want to take another vacation day because it's a weekday show, uh, but I just might. We'll have to see. That's something not to miss. And I do believe it's Ian Gillen's birthday today, 73 years old. My father's 73 years old. He barely leaves the house. This guy's out on tour, probably still banging broads and having a great time. There's something to say about the rock and roll lifestyle, huh? All right, we're going to get to this interview with Aaron Hart from Love Stallion in about five minutes or so. Uh, how about we do some brand new Tokyo Blade? Uh, Dave Bell was talking to me about this record a little while ago. Dave, I'm working on getting them on the show for September, but we look pretty booked right now. So I might have to wait a little while, but Unbroken's coming out. It's the band's first record in, uh, God, I don't even know. Uh, let me see. It's had a couple of compilation and box sets out, but I believe Thousand Men Standing was in 2001. So it's been quite a long time since they've had new music out. Uh, and it's most of that classic lineup from like the early 80s out of playing on this album. So that's always a good thing. Here's the man in black.
All right, brand new Tokyo Blade, The Man in Black. The album is unbroken. The band's been around for 38 years. I mean, if you count the band that they were actually before Tokyo Blade, uh, I'm drawing a blank on the name right now, but that band started around 79. So it's been almost 40 years for them at one point or another, and it's most of that classic lineup playing with them. I believe it was White Diamond they started out as. All right, but enough of that. Let's get to our interview tonight. We have Aaron Hart from Love Stallion. A great band out of Denver, Colorado. Let's get Aaron on the line right now. Hey, Mike. Aaron, no. you're on the air. Good. How are you? You're on the air. Good, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's my pleasure. Listen, I've been playing the hell out of this record, man. You guys are bringing a little bit of the L.A. Strip to the mountains of Denver, Colorado. I love it. Yeah, not many people doing that right now. <laughs> no, not not at all. I mean, it's you know, when you think about it, it's... Rock is probably the most popular, the biggest form of music in one, you know, genre of another. But yet it's one of the hardest sells, like just pure good rock and roll. And that's what you guys are doing right now. Yeah, we're trying to definitely bring back that party rock, arena rock, um, the heyday of, you know, Van Halen and Kiss and Leopard. Uh, You're definitely doing that. And the one thing I love is that, when I play your song once, I can remember it. I can remember the hooks because they're catchy. I can remember the lyrics because they're memorable. That's something that's lacking in a lot of music and in a lot of bands today. Is there a conscious effort to make a song where people will remember it? Yeah, totally. Um, Rob and I, we write the songs. Um, yeah, we, we just kind of took the quality over quantity approach and spent spent a year, a good year and a half writing writing the record even before starting to play out. So, yeah, man, super appreciate that. Great. Well, how did the band come about? Were you guys friends with each other or knew each other from other bands or was it kind of a first meeting type of thing? So we had uh, – we'd been buds since, shoot, 09, played in some various projects together. He played in my pop rock band for a little bit. Um, but we just had the idea late – let's see, late 2013, um, just kind of had a similar – um, taste in the old rock and roll, played super well together, always had tons of fun. So we kind of started talking about what would our dream band look like. And um, shoot, we just thought we'd give it a try, kind of make it into everything we we miss from those those old days of rock. Yeah. Is it hard to find four or five guys to play with that maybe all have the same vision or want to take the band in the same direction? <laughs> Always. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we, uh, we've had a couple lineup changes, you know, people are always, let's just say, uh, some might want to go a little harder. Some might want, um, you know, uh, a more, yeah, I, I guess it's kind of back and forth hard stuff. Um, we, we like to kind of mix in different, uh, different flavors have have some soft or, or mid-tempo stuff and not just be a one-trick pony. Sure. I know I completely get that, but when a member joins the band, I mean, don't they know what they're getting into? They know what the band is, what it's about, sound-wise, where it's going. So why all of a sudden would it shock them? Like, so you know what? I want to take it in a different direction musically when they know what the <laughs> band is meant to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, we always joke about having a band is like dating three or four other people. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, man, I, you know, uh, I, you know, I, I think everyone kind of is on their own journey and dis- discovering or rediscovering a new sound. And so when you got that times, um, 
times four or five, there's always creative differences. Yeah, I can imagine. I, you hear that story all the time. It's a, it's a common thread. There's usually those one or two guys that keep and hold it together. I mean, as far as the band goes, is it better when there's maybe one, even two people guiding the ship to keep it, you know, straight and on course? Yeah, Rob and I are, definitely do that. We, um, because we've written the material, um, and it was kind of we conceived the project. It's been, we've been staying the course, and uh, um, but yeah, we've we've definitely worked with some great people, and um, you know sometimes it's just some you know time for them to move on at some point. Yeah, I don't know if I'm more impressed at your vocal range or how you can fit into those black and purple shiny spandex outfits. I I don't know which one I'm more impressed by. <laughs> oh, I think I might man. be jealous. It took uh, <laughs> it took a lot of work on both fronts, so appreciate you noticing that. It took several years to. Yeah, it's funny, and you know, I will play a show, and then I kind of get to. Um, relax, party a little bit, eat some pizza. And then as soon as, you know, we got a show coming up, I've got to, you know, get back to just chicken salads. And so, um, <laughs> me- meanwhile, you have to keep the vocals up while you're not, you know, and, uh, partying is always competing for your time. So it, but it's fun, you know, it kind of keeps me honest. Yeah. I mean, you guys definitely have the music. You've got the hooks. You've got the look. Is it just important to put as much into the look and style of the band and the stage presence and performance as it is the music? Oh, oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, my um, vocal performance coach, Dr. Scott, he's worked with a lot of, uh, you know, major acts throughout the years. But he always said that people want to come see you again. They don't want to come hear you again. So um, and especially in today's media age. Um, you know, you, you got to put the show on, even if it's just photos or whatnot, but we, um, you know, it's, it's not like it's some extra effort for us. It's, it's really just a super, super fun party for us to get to do that. And people enjoy it with us. True. You know, you mentioned media rage and I mean, that really is, I, I guess, probably the best way to describe, I mean, the music industry today between, you know, Bandcamp, YouTube, uh, Reverb Nation, even like the social media sites, there's so much access to a band. I mean, I mean, you guys can't fall to take a shit without somebody knowing about it if you mention it. I mean, it's, it's all over the place. Does that help or hurt a band? Does it kind of take like the mystique out of like when people come to see you live for the first time because they kind of know everything already? Uh, you know, everyone's got a different approach. We kind of have a semi-moderate social media presence. We don't want people knowing when we take a shit. Um, so we kind of keep it somewhat, uh, yeah, it's just a lot of effort to do that too. And, um, I think it works for, for all parties if we're kind of limiting, limiting what we share as well. True. It's not that you're new to the music business or even the band who has been around a couple of years now, but what are the challenges on, like, you know, getting a new band to take off and, and bring it up, you know, to the next level, you know, one at a time? Yeah, I, th- I really just think it's consistency and good writing. So we, you know, before we even started playing out, Rob and I, yeah, it was over a year and a half we were writing and arranging, um, and but we just slowly kept chipping away at it. I think a lot of uh, artists these days, they set some sort of deadline or expectation that they're going to be, you know, rich and famous within two or three years because they got this great song. Well, it's it's the music business and it's, it's really a slow growth and it's got to be organic. And, you know, we love, 
love what Steel Panther's done. You know, they're 20 years in yeah. when they finally they finally hit, and they're 50 years old. So, um, you know, those guys are just super sharp, hardworking guys. Um, and in today's age, you know, it's not like you have to hit it big by 24 anymore. So, um, yeah, I'd say consistency is the big thing. It's true. You know, a lot of people goof on Steel Panther because, you know, they feel like they're not a real band. They don't take themselves seriously. But those guys are out there playing and performing all the time, selling records, and playing in front of full houses every time they play. And the most important thing is they're having a good time doing it. That's, that's, that's you know, to me, that's impressive. Yeah, they, I mean, I've seen uh, some of the big acts. I've seen Prince, Kiss, Def Leppard, um, Van Halen, plenty of those groups. And Steel Panthers, I mean, absolutely one of the best live acts I've ever seen. Um, and, and people call them a joke. Yeah, maybe the, I mean, the, the lyrics are absolutely hilarious and some of their stuff's over the top. But I, I think they're as real as can be. They're excellent musicians. You know, they're not treating anything. You're getting the raw experience when you go see them. I agree. So is that really the thing? Is state, You said consistency, and that is a big thing because you put out your new record and fans become fans of the band. They want to hear that type of music over and over again. Maybe not you know, a repeat of each song. They want to hear that same style and that same vein. But as bands mature and go on record after record, obviously different influences come in, different sounds you know, they, they grow onto, and maybe you want to expand. Do you take that expansion and maybe change up the band's sound as years go by, or do you keep it similar to the first record that won your fans over? That's a good question. I think you got to go with what inspires you. You know, we're certainly not going to... Um, at least I hope try to you know stay with the times and stay relevant as as a lot of bands try to do inauthentically. Um, but yeah, if it comes in and it works, you know, uh, I think the fans appreciate a little change up if if that's where your life's headed and experience and you share that with them. So yeah, we don't want to keep putting out the same record and like I said, be the one trick pony, but. Um, yeah, we're we're open to see what comes in the future. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of great front men out there, and there are a lot of great singers. But not every singer is a great front man, and vice versa. I mean, what's more important to you, being the front man that puts on the show, or being the guy to say, "Wow, listen to this guy's voice"? Good question. Um, you know, you well, because you're you're reaching most people with the record, for instance. So we spent. Gosh, so 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 much time in the studio on on the vocals to get them just right. But you know, ultimately, we wanted to be the, a band that would be seen. And so, um, yeah, I think being the front man and actually engaging the crowd is more important. Um, you know, there are a lot of uh, uh, what we call live rehearsal bands out there, and you know, the the crowd just isn't engaging and um, the proof's in the pudding. So, yeah, I'd say being the front man is, is definitely the most important. That's kind of right. You know, David Lee Roth's your classic example. He's no Sammy Hagar singer, but everyone regards him as one of the greatest front men. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, you have a guy like Ozzy Osbourne, can't really sing, but up on stage, you know, he's what you go to see. He's the show. I mean, not because he's Ozzy, but, you know, because of his act as a front man. And I agree. But I think you got a little bit of both in you. So that's kind of, that's you know, that's a pretty cool thing. 
Thanks, man. Yeah, it's uh, you can't be perfect in in, in everything, so you kind of kind of do what you do and um, give it your best. You stay. That's what my wife says to me every night when we go to bed. Did you talk to her recently? It's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> well, how's how's Denver today for music? I mean, even Colorado in general. Is it is it a pretty vibrant rock scene over there? Enough to keep the band busy when you're home. Yeah, there's definitely some rock. I'd say the biggest stuff going on right now is bluegrass, a lot of EDM, um, folk, that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've been here, gosh, pushing 11 years, and I've seen the rock band, uh, the rock scene grow quite a bit. So um, we're getting really good response, I think, because we're, we're unique, not a lot of glam right now. But, um yeah, Denver's just exploding in population too, and so that's I think that's attracting a lot of great, great players from everywhere. Oh, that's cool. How, how does the band branch out? Like, I mean, do you try to take it city by city, state by state? Do you look to hook up on maybe smaller tours that branch out around the area, or do you just kind of go with the internet thing and like try to reach the biggest audience you can all over the world, and then try to work your way from there? So we've taken a little more of a maybe a conservative approach. I know a lot of people are anxious to just get on the road and end up sleeping on floors, spend a lot of money and getting discouraged, burn themselves out. So we've, we've taken a lot of time to work on the product, the, the songs, the, the look, um, our brand, um, making the videos. We're going to be doing another video here soon. So we wanted to kind of get, uh, and the record out, get everything, uh, get a really good foundation established first. And then, um, so we've really just been playing local and our next step is our, our names are now in for opening up for some of those eighties bands coming through. We'd love to, let's say open for steel Panther cause they come through each year and just start with that. Um, and then we're looking to next summer, start to do some small, um, but very intentional tours, um, California, Midwest, maybe Southwest. So, you know, we're definitely in this for the long haul and, you know, we're not expecting fame within two years sort of thing. So we want to just, we want to do it right. We want something that's sustainable and um, we think that's the best way to reach the most people. Yeah. Does the internet help out like pick and choose like where you go because of your fan base? I mean, you know, it kind of allows you to say, well, you know, we look like we're pretty strong in New York, pretty strong in LA. We're a little weaker in Omaha. Does it allow you to kind of focus on the areas where you're strong or maybe build up your audience where you feel like you're a little weak and not as well known? Uh, good question. I, you know, we haven't, like I said, done the touring yet, but I'm from Chicago, have a really good crowd there. Lots of friends in LA and, and so does Rob. So we're going to start by focusing on where we are strongest to grow that, um, and focus on, you know, conquering Denver. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll see about, you know, kind of grinding it out city by city on a big national tour. Um, that'd be super fun, but that, that might be a couple of years. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to that happening, and I hope that you can make it over here to the East Coast. I would love to see you guys, you know, as great as the record is and you love it, there's nothing like hearing that album live. And I hope you guys can make it to the New York City area. I'm pretty lucky that we're a big city and a lot of bands do come through this way. So I think I got a good shot of seeing you guys live over the next year or two. Oh, we'd love to. I, I go there all the time um, for vacation, so I'd, I'd love to get back there. I've got a lot of friends there, too. Well, I tell you, Aaron, you got one more. So the next time you come to town, give me a call. I'll take you out for a drink, 
and we'll talk music. But I'm going to play a couple of songs right now because I have another guest coming up. Where's the best place for people to keep up with the band and more importantly, buy this great new record that you put out? Well, thanks, man. Um, LoveStallionRocks.com is our website. You can get everything there. Uh, or just find us on Spotify, iTunes, Apple, Amazon, all the all the regular stuff. Excellent. Aaron, the best of luck with the band, man. I love what you're doing. You got a new fan right here. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Anytime. My pleasure. Have a great night. You too. Talk to you soon. Take care. All right. Let's get some love staying on the air right now. We'll do two songs back to back. And then we have to get to our next guest, Jonathan Jordan, to whom it may so how about we do Ignite the Night?
All right, Victim, she's a savage. I've been reaching out to a few members from that band to try and get them on the show sometime in September. We're really overloaded with guests, and I'm still waiting for a couple of confirmations, but I think we're pretty much uh, set up for the whole month. But I can always squeeze one or two more in, so if I am able to get in touch with one of them, uh, I think we'll get them in here to do that interview. And I think we're waiting on just one more confirmation, and then when I get back from vacation, I will release the September schedule, and we are 10 years old on the 16th. It actually falls on a Sunday, the same date we did the first show 10 years ago. So I have to say, that is pretty cool. I mean, this whole year, I've been really preoccupied. My wife and I, you know, we sold our own home, we, uh, our old house, we bought a new one. Uh, my daughter got married, the wedding is over now, the house is 98.9% renovated, there's only a little bit more to do, and I'm going to take the winter off and start up again in the spring, because I've had it with all the construction work over the last eight months, so right now it's time to get back on track and refocus with the show, I apologize if a lot of the interviews were kind of short and rushed, but every time it seems like we had one set up that wasn't on the live show, uh, you know, I had to kind of rush to do it because I had a lot of contractors working in the house. And even on the live show, I wasn't able to put a lot of time or attention into it uh, this year because of all the work. But like I said, it's time to get back to the metal right now, get things going again. And I'm looking forward to it. It'll be a great way to kick off year number 10. It goes by so fast. Ten years ago, Tommy Flanger said I found this site. We could sit down, bullshit with each other, and, uh, you know, play some heavy metal, the classic stuff we love. And next thing you know, it's been 10 years. So uh, I want to thank everybody for that, too. More of that next month when we get there. There's no show next week. Uh, I am away on vacation, actually, for almost two weeks. Uh, we get back Sunday, uh, I believe it's uh, September 2nd. So I'm going to pre-record that show just in case we don't get back off the plane until customs and time. Uh, so there will be a live show, a new show. It might not be, well, there'll be a new show. It might not be live. It might be pre-recorded, but there will be a new show for September 2nd. All right, right now to Jonathan Jordan from To Whom It May. Let's get an interview going right now. We'll play another tune or two, and then it's time to wrap it up and get upstairs and watch 90 Day Fiance. So here you go. Sit back, relax, enjoy the interview. Jonathan, this is Mike. How are you? Hey, Mike, how you doing? I'm doing well. Hey, I'm doing great today, man. Hey, I have to tell you, nice job on the record, man. I absolutely love what you did. Oh, man, I appreciate hearing that, man. It's been a long time coming, so it's good to finally get some ears on it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I, I, so much work goes into putting out an album these days and, and starting up a band and getting it going. I mean, what do you find to be the most difficult thing today about actually just being in a group? Man, I think... Um finding a way to kind of get your voice out, you know, and like kind of fine tune who it is you want to be and what you want to sound like, you know, I think the goal for everybody is we all want to sound original, you know, I mean, at least for for our project, the goal is like, you know, we don't want to ride the coattails of any other genre. So I think that's probably the, that was a challenging thing defining our sound. And, but man, it's just an evolving thing at the same time. Once you get it figured out, it's like, Oh, let's try this now. <laughs> so it was a rule book. Out yeah. Monday, you know, <laughs> Did you kind of know where you wanted this band to go, the direction, I mean, musically, or was it so? I mean, because the three of you have played together before in a previous band, so it's not like you guys were new to each other. Uh, did you kind of like have an idea what you wanted, or was it like, hey, let's you know, sit down and, and figure this out as we go along? With this project, it was definitely a little bit more like because we did have a previous band, we, we definitely wanted to fine tune things and, like, you know, really correct some of the mistakes that, you know, young musicians make. Like we, at uh, the same time, we're still young musicians, you know, we have a lot to learn. But um, I think one of the biggest things with the style was we wanted it to be, 
interesting. You know, we didn't we didn't want a, a listener to kind of feel like they'd heard the whole record by the first or second track of the album. You know, each song kind of has a different vibe. And we also wanted it to not be full of just extracurricular noise. You know, everything is very stripped down. We're a three-piece, so it's, you know, the parts and the sections that are in there are as simple as we can make it while still being complex and proggy in certain ways, you know. So I think that was probably the biggest challenge for the whole thing, is just kind of making it complex, but at the same time not making it overwhelming. The album definitely has a big sound to it. If if somebody heard the music and didn't know who the band was, they, I don't think they would believe it was a three-piece album because there's so much going on, like you said, but yet it, it gets right to the point. Is that difficult when it comes to the songwriting part of it? Do you have to sit down and say, you know, how far can we go but yet keep it simple enough for three people to manage to do it live and you know recreate our sound? Mm-hmm. It was uh, a little easier on this kind of for the writing of this record because I play guitar and I, I sing and I'm the main songwriter as well. So it's kind of useful whenever you're, like for instance, when I'm singing a line and I want it to be more aggressive, I can make the guitar more aggressive without having to tell somebody, hey, get more aggressive. Or I can make it a little less aggressive, you know, get kind of subtle with it. And same thing with the vocals. And luckily with this group of guys, Rob and Dexas and myself, we've been playing together for so long. It's kind of like in the way that sometimes twins will finish each other's sentences. We've kind of gotten to that point with music. So we can get into a room and just jam for an hour. And it's just like we finish each other's musical sentences. So it, it's gotten easier as the years have gone on for sure. Yeah, I, I go through the record, and there's just such a great groove from start to finish on this album. If somebody says to me, you know, well, to whom it may, what kind of music that I play, it's actually hard for me to, you know, put you guys into a genre. And I've always hated genres because I feel it limits bands, mm-hmm. and it kind of limits fans mm-hmm. who won't like, well, are they a death metal band? Well, I don't like them. Are they a power metal band? Are they a groove metal band? And, and people won't give it a chance, but, you know, you kind of have to be open to what the band's doing. Yeah, man, I think it, I agree, man. Genres are a little like... Um sometimes we like to ride things off before we give them a chance because there's only so much time in the day. So I, I definitely, I, there's genres that I hear of that I'm like, oh, I'm not a fan of that, but I do enjoy the fact that when we've introduced this to a lot of people that you know, most people can't really compartmentalize it into a genre. And that helps us, I think, because someone that maybe is a fan of death metal or someone that is a fan of Prague or maybe someone that likes pop music, they don't have to be turned off initially by the genre or the title that somebody gives it, you know, they jump into it. And if they can find that groove, the goal for us was like, you know, the only thing that really matters is the groove at the end of the day, you know, we'll never lose the groove to find the note. You know, that's the kind of the mantra that we've followed, you know, at any point in time, if it feels like the song loses its momentum, then it's not doing what it needs to do. You know, same thing for the groove. If it loses its groove, not a good thing. Very true. I mean, I don't want to date myself, but I come from a time where everything was sort of just rock and roll. <laughs> it didn't matter what you're playing, yeah, yeah, what man. you're doing. It, it, it was all just rock, you know? And then it started splitting up, mm-hmm. and everybody started splitting hands and wanting to be different. And it bothered me because, like I said, it doesn't give new bands a chance because people today, they'll put on the first song on your album, and within two seconds, if, they, if it doesn't grab them, they move on. Does that make it harder as a songwriter? Yes, in some ways, but I also think it's good that, you know, I think music in general is facing this sort of, uh, funny enough, this great filter, that's the name of our record, but it's kind of the same thing with the music industry right now. You've got the opposite of what the problem used to be. Now you've got so much music and it's so easy to record yourself that there's not much of a filter keeping, you know, 
maybe the underdeveloped records out of the market. So sometimes people are just overwhelmed with this like flood of new music and they can't decipher what's worth listening to, what's not worth listening to. And I think that genre is kind of where to hope they were, people were hoping that the genres would help funnel people towards what they wanted to hear. But like you're saying, you know, it, I think at the end of the day, it just hurts bands more than anything. Cause if you think you're a death metal band, but I feel like you're a prog band, you might say, Hey, I'm death metal. Yeah. And I'll be like, ah, I'm not into death metal, you know? So yeah, I don't know. I think that, that's been a blessing to us, man, is to get away from the genre, the titles. And we're just really about getting together and just kind of creating an atmosphere, you know, and taking that and letting it be more of a, less of a, about like the genre, more about what emotions we're trying to tap into with each song. Yeah. How's Texas today for music? I mean, I know Austin's got a pretty vibrant scene. Is there enough to keep the band active mm-hmm. when you can't get out on the road or travel to different places? Well, that's the thing about Texas that's so great. You can drive 14 hours and still be in Texas. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like it's like Europe, man. I mean, you can play eight state, or cities in Texas and not see any familiar faces, you know. So within Texas, it's, it's awesome, man. I love the music scene out here. Texas is kind of like it's, I don't know, I'm sure everybody says this about their home state, but it just feels unique to us, you know. Every time we come back off the road and we cross that Texas line, the first thing we do is we hit a Whataburger. <laughs> and we just eat some chicken strips and just enjoy home, you know. But it's the music scene is really good, man. There's a lot of uh, – lately I've noticed a lot of club owners that were ex-musicians or still currently musicians, man. They're trying to create, like, that old-school vibe of having clubs that really are catered to the artists, catered to the scene, and they're really starting to create, like, an underground scene. A lot of underground venues in our hometown of Galveston, which is an island right off the coast of Texas. And Austin, like you said, Dallas is a great scene. Um, San Antonio, Corpus, Beaumont—it's it's awesome. It's really—it's really blossoming, and, and it couldn't happen at a better time for us because with the album just coming out, you know, it's—it's it's awesome for us to get out and hit these markets. Yeah, that's great. You know, there was a time in music where club owners were almost as invested in a band as a label or a promoter as anybody else because, you know, that band would draw people to their club. They would make money, and they were happy about that. But there was a support system mm-hmm. there. Do you find today that that support system is kind of missing from the club scene? Um, I think in some spots, definitely. But I don't think those clubs last. You know, I think there's kind of this inherent, like, check and balance system within the scene that, those club owners that really care about their artists and the bands, because at the end of the day, you're right. You know, if the, the club doesn't have the bands, the bands don't bring the crowds, the club doesn't succeed, you know? So luckily we've run into a few really awesome club owners. One that comes to mind off the top of my head is uh, Thomas from Scout Bar in Houston. His name is Thomas Wilson or Anthony from Come and Take It Live in Austin. You know, these are all really good people and they're willing to take a risk. And because at the end of the day, you know, no band is going to have, a huge draw right out the gate. The club owner has to take the risk, you know, and if they take that risk and the marketing and the promotion is done right, it can turn into a real big win for both the clubs and the bands, you know, and it's my goal is to hopefully we see some more bands like-minded like us that want to get in the regional area and really develop these local scenes because I feel like we're, we're back on that cusp of back in the nineties when Pantera was like dominating Texas, like Texas is bound to have the next big, Pantera act you know we just had our friends in nothing more they're from San Antonio they're taking over yeah. right now in the U.S. and overseas and it's just it's awesome to see Texas fans you know doing it again because I feel like you know again everybody loves their home state but I feel like Texas really has some powerful big hitters right now man so it's going to be interesting for sure 
Definitely. It's always great to have that home state support and, you know, build up your crowd there. Uh, but today, does it ban? I mean, because, you know, you have like, you know, with social media, like, you know, Facebook, Twitter, the Internet and all these other things I have going on. A band can kind of find out where the fan base is. Maybe it's overseas. Maybe it's in New York, mm-hmm. California, Hawaii. Do you take advantage of that to try to focus on those areas where you're strongest or to use that as a tool to say, you know what, we're kind of weak maybe in this area of the country or the world. Let's try to, you know, get in there and, and, and let them hear us. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. You know, it's definitely two different kind of ways to go about it. You either go to the markets where you're succeeding or you isolate the markets where you're not really succeeding and try to focus on them. And luckily for us right now, we've got a lot of momentum with this record. And, you know, every it's kind of like every day we wake up, it's kind of a new development. So we're kind of taking it as it comes. But for us right now, like we do really well in Texas, obviously. Um, but we also, we've done some shows in the New York area. You know, we did a Recently, we did a show with uh, Palisades and nothing more for the serious um, New Year's show. And then we do a lot of stuff in Michigan. We were talking actually recently today about some new dates that we're going to have on the north side of the states. So we try to, like, you know, we don't want to be a strictly Texas fan. We love our home state. Don't, no, don't get me wrong. But, you know, the goal is to definitely get it out to the new markets for sure. We want to get to some new ears. Yeah. Well, you know, on GL4 label, brand new label, first act signed to the label. So are you like the first child where it's a learning experiment for the label and, and they're going all out for you guys? Or is it still like a, a learning process? Or they, do they kind of have it down and what they're doing and helping you out? Oh, man, they're great, man. They've definitely done a lot to help us. I think the biggest thing right now with the industry is I think everybody is kind of relearning the ropes because it's such a different game. You know, like with streaming and with, the new marketing kind of angle, like, and I, like I said, there's so many bands. So I, I think the cool thing about G4L is that as new as they are, that, that helps us in some ways because they're not stuck in their old ways. You know what I mean? Like, it's important that people are willing to reinvent themselves and try new things to see what would reach out because, you know, the same old trick doesn't work, you know, decade after decade. So these guys have been great because as new as they are and as new as we are, they, um, they're really – apt to like try new things you know if something doesn't work we try it in every way and it's been cool man those guys have been really supportive kevin martin from candle box who's uh anr yeah. he's been just he's a, he's awesome man guys uh personally you know i'm a fan of him before we even knew g4l before this before this band was even a thing you know we grew up listening to those guys so it's pretty uh surreal to work with them today and and to get advice from someone like that who's lived through the industry and the and the waxing and the waning of the industry, it's uh, you couldn't ask for better advice, you know. So it's it's cool, yeah. man. But it's definitely a new day every day. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, for bands that weren't around or didn't come up through the '70s, '80s, and even into the early '90s, like you know, pre iTunes era, uh, where the record company was king and they laid out the money and you, they, you know, they give you tour support. Everything changes there. You have bands that have come out in the last ten years that don't know that that side of the business. They only know what they see now. I mean, is it possible that bands can some way get together and fight what's going I saw Peter Franta put a post up the other day saying that he was given a $1,600 royalty check for 55 million streams or something. And this is a man who probably mm-hmm. made that in a minute back in the 70s in, in the heyday of, of music. So he knows the difference. But younger bands today, do they know that you could make a living doing this and a good living if maybe things changed? I think... I think if we wait around, and I say we as an artist, if we wait around for the industry to correct itself and start giving us bigger checks, we're going to go broke waiting. I think the big thing nowadays is, unfortunately, like with the Internet, I mean, it's a, 
it's a new development, you know. I mean, you, you're not going to be able to take away streaming music. It's kind of like with the uh, the advent of like Napster back in the day, you know. Unfortunately, the record labels didn't kind of change in time to acclimate to that new development of like online media, and it, it hurt a lot of labels, hurt a lot of bands. We had a lot of friends that were just getting signed and got dropped before the record even got released, just because they were the labels weren't pressed. So I think the, what I'm getting at is, you know, I see a lot of bands nowadays, they're taking it upon themselves to expand into other markets that have to do with their band, their product, their music. But, you know, finding new ways to make money. And, it's, you know, the Internet, it did hurt music. It did hurt the, uh, the CD sales and whatnot, but it's helped in a lot of ways. It's just who's going to be the first one to figure out how to capitalize on the new system, you know? So it's, 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 a, it's definitely a an ongoing discussion, you know, not only amongst ourselves and our label, but I think everybody in the music industry is kind of trying to figure out what's up and what's down now, you know? Sure. You know, John, when I go through the new record, The Great Filter, I can't help, I mean, the songwriting is just amazing. I mean, lyrically, musically, you, everything man. fits perfectly. And, you know, in, in, in a way, in my mind, it's almost like a conceptual album because it seems like every song sort of feeds into the next one, even though it's not really meant that way or it was written that way, but it just feels that way. And to me, it's so hard for a band to put such a cohesive album together. And you guys did that with this record. And I'm so impressed by the songwriting on here and especially the lyrics. They're very down to earth, very realistic. I mean, I'm not everyone, but I mean, you know, it's just like your heart went <laughs> you, into the words and, and this album. Thank you, man. No, it, it it was a passion project, and I think that's the biggest thing. You know, as, through the writing of it, through the development of it, through the concept, uh, all of it, it was, you know, it, it wasn't created with the intent of selling a bunch of copies or putting our face on a billboard. It was really just created in the sense of like, you know, we're we're all music lovers, yourself included. You know, at the end of the day, what do we want to be remembered by? What do we want? Forget what people remember us for, but what do we want to feel like? our personal endeavors were about. And this was the first of hopefully many, you know, I wanted to write a record that I believed in and that I didn't have to sum up with, like you were talking about, like a genre. I'm so burnt out on bands that are like trying to ride the wave of what's popular right now. I feel like we all just need to be honest with each other and just write what we love to listen to and what we love to play. And that's what this record was for us. Lyrically, it was the same thing, you know, and it's, it's more about, I think we all have, more in common than like singing about, Hey, I'm a rock star. Hey, we party, party, party. You know, like that's not us. You know, we're about, we, we want to get a little deeper than that. In some of these songs, you know? And so that was the goal. And I think we're happy with it. We're proud of the record. We can't wait to, you know, it, it's awesome to get input from people like yourself who have heard it for the first time. Cause we've been living with this thing for three, four years now. So it's kind of mind blowing that it's actually getting some feedback. So it, it makes, makes me so happy to hear that. You know, people like yourself are getting into the lyrics, getting into the vibe and the flow of the record of the piece. So thank you for that. Uh, I love, I absolutely love it. You know, I'm always supposed to say, you know, the whole record's great, but, you know, Weight of the Stone and Ghost, I just keep going back to those two songs. I don't know why. Thank you, man. I appreciate that, dude. That's Those are my babies, too, personally speaking. So uh, <laughs> I, love, uh, I love the fact that those are jumping out, man. And there's... You know, we've got a lot of cool stuff in the works right now. You know, this record is definitely the beginning, and I can't wait to get on to the next chapter. But it's so fun to be here right now and get to share Ghost and The Way to the Stone and songs like that because they've been a long time in the oven, and it's just, man, it feels great to finally get them into the hands of people like yourself. 
Yeah, oh, I'm sure. Hey, listen, you know, I, I'm just not a stand, but I'm also a member of uh, the Jonathan and Rob Beard Club for Men. You know, I'm right up there with you guys. <laughs> uh, does, does Dexter ever feel left out because he can't grow more than a stubble? Dude, you know, we've talked about it, but we feel like because Easy <laughs> Top came before us and they held it down, you know, he's not allowed <laughs> to have a beard now. <laughs> So it's yeah, just, it's I just get the way that. the cookie crumbles. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think, I I don't think we get one show in the books. Yeah, I don't think we ever get a show in the books without hearing that one. <laughs> but he's gotten used to it I now. That. So. That's a good thing. Hey, I'm not going to keep you, man. I know you got a whole bunch of these things to do today. Uh, you got anything coming up immediately that you want people to know about besides the record coming out? Uh, yeah, man, we've got a show September 1st in Houston, Texas. It's going to be our CD release party we're just going to have a big blowout with all of our buddies we're going to do that um we've got uh a lot with like as far as the record goes we, we just charted number 10 on the billboard heat seeker charts uh itunes number 10 on the metal charts with this record um it's been awesome man it's been a great two weeks of the record being out so we're kind of just taking all that in right now we're working on some cool tour dates that we'll be announcing soon we've got a lot of stuff coming up for the fall but right now, we're just focusing on the September 1st show in our hometown, getting ready for the CD release, and just knocking it out, man, and just riding this wave. Hey, that's the best thing, man. The best luck with the record, Jonathan. I'll see you guys when you head back to New York City. Yes, sir, but I'll see you soon. You got it, buddy. Take care. Have a good one. Peace. All right. I want to thank all of our guests tonight. Jonathan Short of Whom It May. Aaron Hart of Lovestein, and the queen of all metal, Doro Pesh. We're off next week. I'm away on vacation. We are back in September, September 2nd. I'm flying home, so we might not be able to get on the air live, but I'm going to pre-record a show just in case, so don't forget to tune into that show. Glenn Benton from Deicide, and uh, Michael Romeo from Symphony X. He's got a solo record coming out. And I lost track there for me. We've got so many guests coming up. And technically, it's really two weeks away. But don't forget to tune in back then. So you guys got two weeks to listen to the replays. I will see you then. Take care, everybody. How about we wrap it up with one more quickie? And then we're going to call it a night for everybody. It definitely won't be anything off the new Voivod. I can tell you that. But let's do some forbidden. March at the fire. Take care, everybody.
Megastar's Summer Mashup, the awesome iPhone, on the Rockstar Metro PCS Network. Get the iPhone you've always wanted for zero dollars, so you can jam without limits. It's a hit. Get an iPhone SE on us when you switch. Metro PCS. Coverage not available in some areas, plus sales tax and $10 activation fee. Requires port of number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or on Metro PCS in past 90 days to an unlimited LTE plan. See store for details and terms and conditions. It's the two megastars summer mashup, the awesome iPhone, on the Rockstar Metro PCS Network. Get the iPhone you've always wanted for zero dollars, so you can jam without limits. It's a hit. Get an iPhone SE on us when you switch. Metro PCS. Coverage not available in some areas, plus sales tax and $10 activation fee. Requires port of number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or on Metro PCS in past 90 days to an unlimited LTE plan. See store for details and terms and conditions. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.